All right, I'm gonna call today's episode a founder cast because with me is my co-founder, Scott Watermazic. And today in this episode, we wanted to walk through some of the reasons behind Kickoff Labs um, from our perspective um, and specifically Scott's perspective, um, how it fits into his life, how we got started, um, what, uh, you know, how we went about that process. And um, so, hey, thanks for uh, taking the time today, Scott, and writing out all of these detailed notes about, uh, about the business. Uh, thanks for having me and uh, letting me get away from my computer, although I guess I still am on the computer. All right, so let's just dive right in today. So we started in uh, March of 2011. What was your reasoning? I mean, I know why I started wanted to start the business, but I'm curious to hear your perspective of like what what made you interested in in starting your own business? Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess it was you know. So we had both previously worked together um, at a, at a company, um, and kind of like two years into that, I mean, I was arguably the first or second, I guess, employee besides the founder founders, um, you know, at the time. And uh, I start become, you know, I, I think like everyone during that day, you know, infatuated with the whole 37 signals base camp, you know, kind of scratch your own itch, build the thing you love, um, you know, you know, type business. Um, but at the time the company you worked at, um, I was, I, I got essentially hired to build something. I was doing an open source anyway. Um, and so it, it made sense to, to, to keep working there. You know, I really enjoyed the, the product I was building and the team and got to build a team. Uh, but I always just had this kind of desire to, uh, uh, you know, do things on my own and to do it my own way. Um, kind of that, like I said, that 37 signals, you know, kind of style. Um, skipping ahead seven years or so uh, when you were there, like any business, businesses change. Um, and it just no longer was, you know, it, it was no longer, you know, we were no longer doing the things exactly the way we wanted to do it. Um, and I remember back at the, back at the time, I think my daughter, she's like 12 now, um, was three and she wanted to start like a bakery and she wanted to be a dancer. And you already were hearing like family members say, oh, those are, you know, those are, those are nice ideas. Uh, but you really, you know, you need to do something more, more practical. Uh, and I kind of felt like I was, I was taking the more practical route. Uh, and I wasn't, you know, kind of putting myself out there, uh, you know, being a developer is kind of easier to kind of jump into something like this because, you know, at the end of the day, if the business wasn't successful, um, it's, it's still a really good market, um, you know, for developers. So it wasn't a huge risk. Uh, and it just seemed like it was time to get started. Yeah. And so what are the, uh, like you listed here, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to skip over this. So you listed here some of the other reasons that you wanted to start your own business. And one of them was uh, about commuting. Uh, well, I mean, I, I hate commuting. Uh, I don't I don't know why. I think it partly is where I'm, I live in New Jersey. Uh, you know, the traffic capital, um, I think, of the world at, at times. And uh, I just I always hated the idea of commuting. Um, when I first started getting getting in development, um, I, I love the idea of freelancing, although I, I never, never once did freelancing. Um, that's kind of the path I thought I would take at some point uh, would be just kind of the work as like a hired gun and the work on projects that I, you know, I chose um, and, I, and I found interesting. But I think spending those seven years working, uh, you, know, you know, working intelligent, uh, working with you and working with a bunch of other people remote, I kind of came away with the idea that you could build a business. Uh, you know, you didn't just have to be a hired gun for some other company. Uh, you know, and you can kind of have the best of both worlds where you could work on a team, work on a product you, you cared about, 
uh, an environment you cared about, but you weren't, you know, like I said, just like a hired gun per se. Yeah, and the other thing you touched on was uh, was the change at the company you worked at, that it wasn't a bad place, but after seven years, it was time to go. Um, you know, obviously, I, I worked at the same place. Uh, I got hired on much later than you did at the company, but it was fascinating to watch that change. And, and a big part of that change, um, and I'm not going to fully get into my story, but a big part of that change was taking funding at that company. And, and we just saw so many things change after, um, I think it was basically accepted two rounds of $10 million each of funding, um, or one round with two different tracks of the funding. Um, And the different people that brought in, the different mentality to the business that brought in, um, it just changed things. Um, And it's not a bad thing. I mean, the the company, there's lots of ways to run a business in a way that was congruent with how I felt at the time. It doesn't sound like it was congruent with what you wanted, Um, which is my long way of getting... Um, was one of the motivations for you starting your own business uh, the ownership stake or feeling like you you were building something of value that you owned? Uh, I don't I don't think I got that part. Uh, you know, at the time when when we did it, I mean, we have our notes where we talk later on about you know once the business makes money, it's worth something, and you gotta you know factor it in. I don't think it was a hundred percent that. I mean, it, it was the change in the company, right? No one gives you. $20 million uh, and just says, you know, keep going about things the way you're doing. Um, you know, it there, there always comes with, you know, some type of, you know, strings attached to it. So the business certainly changed. Uh, I think some of the things that really, you know, frustrated me or didn't make sense to me from afar, now that I've owned the business for eight years, I can see some of where things were coming from. Uh, you know, some of the ideas and the way you have to, you know, work with customers and the things you do for customers. I, I've always felt, you know, very customer centric. But I don't think I really got it 100% until it was, you know, me. You know, it was, you know, interacting with the customers where the customer, you know, somebody was angry about something. And we, you know, we had that story a couple of weeks ago where someone said, I want to speak with someone else. You know, I'm not happy with how you've explained this. <laughs> and I was like, you really can't go much further. I was like, I am, you know, a co-founder and I wrote the feature that, you know, you might disagree with it, but I, I built it. So there's really no place else to go. Um you know, so I don't know. So I don't I don't think I really got the whole ownership and wanted to own something. Um, I don't think that was a driving force. I, I just really think I wanted to get back to building something that I enjoyed more, you know, because like, the more people in, right, when I, we started at Intelligent, they said I was employee number anywhere from two to four, right? There was the founders and there's one other person hired you know, near me. Uh, you know, when I left, it was over 100 people. So you just have a, a lot of different people pulling in, in different directions. And when you get to start something brand new, you get to make, you know, right or wrong, you get to make all the decisions and, and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember we had a bunch of ideas and I remember writing all of them down. Um, <coughs> what led you to um, come to the decision we should build the product that became Kickoff Labs? Ah, you know, I, I think one part dumb luck. I think the other part, and I think we've we've talked about on you know other podcast stuff over the years has been, uh, you know, we, we looked at Kickoff Labs as I think when we started, right, we were, we were more focused on idea validation. Uh, I think I had read uh, Rob Walling had a book, uh, uh, Start Small, Stay Small, or, or something like that, and uh, Tim Ferriss had written the Four Hour Work Week, which yeah, yeah, most of it probably isn't you know it isn't super actionable. Uh, but the thing in, in both of those books talked about testing ideas with Google Ads 
and being you know, if you could drive traffic and if people will give you your email address, it, it, it might be a good idea and as a way of, you know, kind of um, a, a way of just kind of, you know, easily validating, you know, can you at least reach a market? It might not be a good business, but can you reach a market um, that's big enough that you could potentially make a business out of it? And I think that's what we really started with you know, saying, okay, we have all these ideas. What if we could do something that would help you validate those ideas? And at the end of the day, if we are wrong about kickoff labs and if we're wrong about the business and how useful the product would be, all those things, you know, none of that, you know, kind of worked out. At least we had a tool that we could use. Uh, I think we, what is it, 20, we have 20 ideas. We each bring 10 to the table, something like that. Um, it was several pages of, uh, <laughs> of like a paragraph and idea each. So I don't know whether it was 20 or 30, but it was something along those lines. Yeah. So even if we spent a couple months and built something and it wasn't useful to the, to the world at large, it would be potentially useful for us to help us, uh, you know, validate one of those other ideas and to see if we could reach, you know, a market that was bigger uh, than what we were shooting for at the time. And so that process started uh, in March of 2011. And mm -hmm. when did we have something that customers could pay us for? You remember the date and I didn't. Uh, June 24th. I remember it was the, the first time where you could sign up and you could, you know, pay us money and, you know, Thank God for those, those people who uh, gave us a chance early on. I, I keep telling myself someday I'm going to go back into uh, you know the Git repository and fire up what we shipped on June 24th and see if it you know see if it still works if I can still install it. Um, you know it was you know certainly much rougher than what we have today. Uh, and even then it, it changed quite a bit right between what we thought we were going to build in March and what we ended up doing you know even by June 24th. You know we pretty quickly came to the realization that, you know, the days of five cents or two cents per click in a Google ad just didn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, even <clears throat> back in 2011, Google didn't want you saying you were, you know, come sign up for company XYZ and there being like a, a form on the other end that, that was just like, you know, just, just ask for your email address and provide it, you know, nothing else. You know, it was just, you know, kind of like an idea that something might be there, you know, you know, Google really wasn't on on board with collecting, you know, blatantly collecting emails like that, and the cost just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't a, a good idea anymore. The like I said, the five and ten cent clicks just didn't really exist, and so we pretty quickly changed into the idea of doing uh, this kind of viral component um, behind behind just signups, just signups for businesses. You know, at the time, I don't even think I think it was a couple of years in, right before we started talking about contests and leaderboards and that kind of stuff. I think at first it was just all about how many referrals, you know, could you get? And we did direct and indirect and, and stuff like that for referrals. So. Yeah, it was really taking, I mean, <laughs> looking back on it, it's easy to see now. But I think at the time we were kind of taking steps into, well, if it's harder to validate your business with with five cent ads and clicks, then you need to make it easier to grow your business with word of mouth. And then I think something that was explained to me in uh, one of the recent episodes we did about how to how to you know, validate your business on $20 a day, what he said was the thing about the referrals wasn't just that it was growing the business, but it was telling him for each of the businesses that they're testing out and validating if a business had people telling other people about it, that was another indicator that it could be really successful. Um, and so you know, is sort of, you know, I think we kind of, you know, you, you might say we lucked into it because we certainly didn't do enough customer research to discover that. But we, what we, well, the thing that we did do early on, I remember was we made sure a point to talk to all of the people who were paying us money and yep. ask about what they needed, what they were really trying to do. 
because um, I remember I did my best to schedule calls with all of the first, you know, thousand people that that paid us money um, or, or actually started an account and did anything with the account at the time. I was just willing to talk to anybody who bothered to put in their time and create a free account and start building something with it. Um, and I remember if somebody was paying us, we said, you know, they're paying us. We're just going to do whatever it is that they that they need at yeah. the time um, a little bit blindly and a little bit. Um, but but we were really focused on listening to customers, um, the early customers, especially. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the, uh, you know, I, I don't even know if it's an idea or concept or whatever. I mean, it certainly shouldn't be a concept. But one of the things we did very early on in our business that a lot of businesses weren't doing at the time our early businesses weren't doing at the time and probably still aren't doing today is we chart when we said we are ready to go, uh, we had, you know, that pre that June 24th timeline, I think we had like a two week beta where, you know, just some of our friends and former, you know, coworkers and stuff, you know, signed up and, and tried it out. But when we went live in that June 24th, you could really, you had to put a credit card in, um, to, you know, to do, I don't want to say anything meaningful because we, we really had, you know, a very limited feature set at the time. Uh, but for the time to do something meaningful, you really had to put a credit card in. And that really helped us differentiate between, you know, the noise uh, or what was potentially noise and what was, uh, you know, actually real things of someone that said, hey, I, I already like your product enough to pay you, you know, at the time we had you know, pretty ridiculous price points. Um, was it 10, 15 and 25 or something like that? Yes. So already yeah. willing to pay you $10 or $15. Uh, I would love it if you did X, Y, and Z. And it, and it made it really much easier if, if two or three of those people said the same thing to jump on and say, okay, these are the features. This is probably where we should start prioritizing our time. It was really was our, our customers asking for specific things that really got us to you know our, our kind of core feature set. Yeah, I mean, there's an advantage to doing all like in-depth customer research, but I cringe when I hear people taking feature suggestions before they've charged or, you know, feature addition suggestions or enhancements before they've charged any money. Because to me, it was critical when you, to ask these people who were paying us and and take, you know, give their voice a little bit more, you know, amplification. If two, like you said, two or three people are paying us, it made a lot more sense to take their ideas seriously compared to the people who weren't paying us who would say things like, well, if you had this, I'd pay for your service. Well, if you had this, and if I feel like we would have wasted time chasing a lot of those requests, but we focused on the requests from people who already saw value and said, we would yep. get more value if you had this. Um, and I think that provides, and I, I still think it's true today, the people who are paying us more money and when they ask for something and say, well, you know, what do you need it? How does that provide more value and digging into what they're asking? And you'll often hear, yeah, I would pay you, you know, a hundred dollars more, or I would pay you, you know, to do this one time for us, like this, this fee for it. And it makes it a lot easier to prioritize um, features rather than just blindly asking, you know, what do, what do people need? Yeah. Um, it's just all sorts of different ways to do customer research. And, and I think this is, it's one of the more powerful ones is seeing what people are willing to pay for. So I also got to go with like you know uh, what we were talking about before where he said you know I think it was another Rob Bowling you know uh, you know uh, term was like our distinct advantage or whatever right? I mean we were we were highly technical people um, and so that really worked with what we could do like, we could build things relatively quickly um, and cost effectively versus you know a bunch of research and writing it out we weren't you know we we didn't have to pay someone else to, to you know to build it for us. Um, we've certainly built things and then taken them away, um, and so it it just played more into what we were what we were good at at the yeah. time. We just weren't 
very good at the, you know, that kind of customer development side of it. We've gotten better. You've certainly gotten, you know, much better at it, um, you know, over the years. And so I think we can go at things slightly differently today, eight years in than what we did it back then. Uh, but in those first early months, the thing that we were very good at was was building and we leveraged that to the I think we leveraged it to the best of our ability. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to uh, the months following June 24th, 2011, when we started charging um, and, you know, you had quit um, a, a well-paying, you know, good paying job uh, with uh, with benefits uh, at the time to uh, to go about this. And so. What did your journey? <laughs> what did your journey look like after that? From your perspective, what did it, what did it look like in the first you know few months uh, to a year afterwards? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. Now I think back, even though we you know, we, we pre talked about this, I remember my my wife all the time, you know, and very inquisitively, like, how's the business going? What's it doing? <laughs> Are people paying? You know, because I I went right. I mean, we went together because you know we both own fifty percent of the business, but nine months right before we took any money out. I think we both put in four thousand uh, dollars. I don't know how we came up with that number, um, but that was like our, our starting point, right? We self-funded with eight thousand uh, dollars. I think we said we would, uh, you know, we would come back to the idea of putting more in if it was necessary. Although I don't think either one of us, you know, I don't know if that really would have happened if we really burned through that money and went negative on it. Um, how willing we would have been, um, and our spouses at the time probably didn't how willing they would have been to, you know, to keep funding it. Uh, but I do think we went nine months or so without paying anything in. Um, we could see that we were slowly building a, a little bit of money up in the bank, uh, minus our time, which is you know something you really have to be cognizant of. Um, you know, it looks like it's you know the business is making money early on, but it's really not when you have two two co-founders who were making you know decent salaries before are making absolutely nothing. Uh, and then the business makes some money, and then you have to pay taxes on that money, which is you know always good too. Uh, you know, where you're not taking money out, but technically the business is making money and being an LLC, you know, it's, it's technically it's your money. So all that, you know, kind of you know, boring stuff. Uh, but right, it was nine months in, I think we started paying ourselves. It was like a thousand or eleven hundred hours or whatever. And then over the next five years, it went up um, a little bit here, a little bit there. Every once in a while, a nice bump. Um, I do remember at multiple times, you know, over especially that first five years, just thinking to myself, I had a, we have a really nice side business, right? It's, it's great. We have a business that sort of runs itself. Um, if we wanted to you know, check out and we could make 1500 hours a month on the side and we could start something else or 2,500 hours or 3000, whatever it is. Um, and I just remember at times thinking that, you know, that, that, that was the future of kickoff labs was, it was a good idea. It just wasn't great as far as, you know, the market or our ability to market it and how much we enjoyed doing those things. But slowly and surely, we, we kind of kept at it. Uh, we had, I remember Sif Social. What was, was there a second product we tried to start? Um, yeah, well, I, I was going to bring that up. I mean, at the, at the time, before we really started replacing our pay with Kickoff Labs, we were building, you know, it seemed like Kickoff Labs was building and earning a little bit more money, but we think we were hungry and we said, let's let's start this development of one of the other product ideas. And we started building um, Sif Social, which in the end was a good idea not to continue building it, but I'll let you tell yeah. that. Well, I mean, it's, it, I mean, the, the, the business, right, that business itself had a flow in that it, it just relied too much on Twitter and Facebook and some others for, for data, which, you know, as Twitter changed over the years, I think a lot of people got, you know, got burned. And thankfully we saw that, you know, early, early enough on, 
Um, but we kept coming back to one of the things we struggled with early on and still every business struggles with today is just word of mouth and just getting yourself out in front of people, marketing and selling yourself and supporting that business. Uh, and we kept coming back to it's hard enough to do this with one business, right? At the end, how would we do it with, with two, right? It's, it's, it's hard to keep up with, you know, writing a blog post every week or every month or, you know, however often we do it. Uh, even these podcasts, right? This podcast took, what, three weeks to schedule um, because of life and vacations and, and stuff like that, uh, you know, to find time just in our two schedules to do it, let alone to try to do one for kickoff labs and then maybe having to do one for another business, um, you know, here or there. Uh, so I don't know, I think I'm off, off tangent a little bit, but, uh, you know, but it, it did look like for a while it was just going to be a, a good side business. And then we started to, you know, play with some other ideas, things we thought were smarter to build. I remember we did like the idea of SIF social because we looked at it and said, that's a hundred hour a month product. <laughs> yeah. I think at the time we were charging, you know, we still weren't charging nearly enough for the product. Um, and we fixed some of that, you know, over, you know, over the years, we, you know, we charged a little bit more, we added, you know, features we thought were, worth you know charging more for and experiment with a bunch of different things but i do remember that was one of the things we kind of you know we, our, our early take on takeaway was you know we need something that we can charge you know we don't need as many customers to you know pay for two co-founders and you know and all the other kind of stuff that goes along with it so you say in a note it took close to five years to earn what you were making as a full-time employee before but there were other benefits to running Kickoff Labs to you um, over that stretch that made it um, worthwhile. And so, what are those kind of benefits? I mean, complete control of like you know my schedule, uh, you know, getting to be involved, you know, if, with my children in everything they do. Um, almost as you know, not almost, like definitely as much as I as I want to do it, right? I can be there for you know getting on and off the bus and drop offs and. Lots and lots and lots of dance classes and all sorts of stuff like that. But always having control of the schedule. I think the thing, and this gets back into one of your early questions about, you know, kind of ownership and a part I didn't get with the business was that, you know, all along, you know, building it, even if the if it was just like a $5,000 a month business, it's still that, that revenue stream. It was something that we could sell if we wanted to in the future, um, something we could, t- you know, back away from and it would still keep running as I, you know, always joke every once in a while that we could not do anything in the business. And I still think it would carry on for, you know, for a couple of years of just, just doing just support. Um, neither one of us want to do that. So if you're listening to this and you're a customer, uh, we do, you know, we are fully in, invested in continuing to build it and, and grow it. Uh, you know, but what it really was, it, it's 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 something tangible. It's, you know, it is a living, breathing thing, per se, uh, you know, that has value to it. Uh, and that's certainly something I didn't comprehend, uh, you know, early on when I first started. You know, it, it took a couple of years, like I said, till it was making a couple thousand dollars a month where I was like, oh, you know, if, you know, we, we could it could be a side business or it could be something we could flip to have revenue to jumpstart something else or to just get out of the business, you know, entirely. If, you know, if life took us in a different direction, you know. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, I agree with I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, it's it's amazing the the what I take for granted now when I talk to people that have you know I would say traditional full time jobs. I mean, just you know if you go through you know personal struggle in life or you go through like you know a time period that's challenging for one reason or another. I mean, there's not like a a, a big <laughs> there's not an HR department to go and and request you know hey I need to take you know time off and not work. But then yeah. also 
you know, I mean, I went through uh, some difficult personal times, uh, you know, getting uh, getting separated, divorced, whatever, whatever you want to call it a couple of years ago. Um, and the advantage to the business to me was, you know, I mean, I remember you just saying, uh, you know, just take the summer off. I remember you just <laughs> you just telling me that. And I didn't end up taking the, the summer fully off. But I remember, you know, because and I think if I was, you know, working in a company and I needed like mental downtime, I would have struggled to request it. And it would have been more of a fully on, fully off thing when the reality is I needed something to distract myself. Like I needed to mm -hmm. even if I couldn't mentally focus much, I needed to log in and do support tickets, you know, yeah. just something where I could do and I could play in the business where I had the mental capacity to play and not do things that, you know, were, you know, too stressful for me. But I was able to do that for a period of a few months to the point where I could start sleeping again. And, um, and that's a huge benefit. And the, the revenue didn't go down over that time. Um, if anything, it was proof I didn't actually need to work in the business um, <laughs> for, for a while. And, and, but like you said, I think things just were, were set up in a way that, you know, we had that freedom at that point to, to be able to take, um, take breaks like that if it was needed. Um, the yeah, next I, mean, I would say I could, I, I, I've always said, or, you know, not always, like the last couple of years, I said, I could, I could do whatever I need to do to, you know, to help my family, right. To put food on the table and a roof over their head or whatever. So that involved me working at some business nine to five or and that's what I had to do. That's what I'd have to do. It's not, you know, certainly people go through much worse than, uh, especially for what I do for a living, right. Just, getting to build things, you know, on a computer, you know, just making, mm -hmm. moving bits from, from here to there and, and kind of getting paid for it. But outside of that, I, I think I would really struggle having to have some nine to five routine. I, I drive my, uh, my youngest now is four and I drive her to uh, preschool or daycare like every day. And if I get stuck behind a school bus and it's only four miles, it's, it, it's like the end of the world. <laughs> I, I really don't know what to do with myself where I'm like, you know, you know, I'm only driving, like, you know, I said eight minutes away or whatever, but if it feels like it takes forever and then, you know, God forbid I get stuck behind a bus, I, you know, I, I, it feels like such a, a, a horrible, you know, experience and people still do, you know, drive, I, you know, before we moved to where we moved a couple of years ago, my wife was driving 60 miles each way. I just, I would just struggle so hard to, you know, kind of not have that, you know, that control anymore, you know? Yeah, that's it. It's a huge benefit that control and that freedom of time. Um, also, I mean, as we when we've hired people in the past, and just remember, like, if once you get to this stage with your business, it's a selling point. I mean, there's startups that can hire people and say a selling point is uh, is you know the potential to be a unicorn and and you know, you know strike it rich. Um, but the reality is that's kind of rare, whereas in a in a bootstrap business or, you know, a more sustainable business, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, I think people still struggle with these definitions. But in a business like this, and I think what we've been, you know, we modeled by with like 37 signals is that, you know, it becomes a huge benefit to tell people like, hey, if your kids have a soccer game, you should go to that soccer game. I mean, this is you know, the business is here to support our lives and lives of people that work for us, um, not just not not the other way around. Mm. Um, you uh, see so one of the notes you have uh, under under bonuses and uh, the bonus section was um, um, for people that are thinking about going down this journey. Um, I, I define some of this as like things we were, you know, either lucky or privileged to have, but what are mm -hmm. some of the things that made it easier for, for you to start a business? You already talked about, you know, having, being a developer and feeling like, well, if it failed, I'm still a developer. So there's always being able to go back and get a, get a different job. 
Um, but what are some of the other things that made it easy for you to decide to start a business? Yeah, I, I don't even want to call them like, you know, advantages, right? Because it's, I, I don't know, I don't want to get into too much like, you know, who's advantage for this and, and that or whatever. But yeah, I, I looked at it as I, I did plan, you know, for, you know, I, I said kind of two years into the, the intelligent experience, right? So that would have been 2005-ish, 2006-ish. You know, I, I did start making small plans, I, I think, towards, uh, you know, being able to do something like that in the future. And that was, you know, eliminating, you know, as much debt as I could minus a mortgage. Um, so that certainly was an advantage, but it's something, um, wasn't necessarily given to me. Um, but mm-hmm. I did plan, you know, ahead of time. Um, you know, I, and also, you know, I had a one child at the time, so I, I do feel like I had to be a bit more careful, uh, you know, with, with how I, I went out and did it. I think I'd said in notes, I don't know we talked about this before, but having a spouse that provide benefits was, was a huge deal for me. Um, I really don't think I would have taken the leap, uh, if I didn't have benefits, especially having a child, I, I do think this is why, you know, at times it's, you know, it's, it, it feels appealing to start a business when you're, you know, 21, 22, um, and you're not thinking about things like that when you get into your thirties and you have children and stuff, you know, I do think you, you, you do consider those things much more. Um, even though there are ways around that, right. You can buy, pay for your own benefits and, you know, and whether or not you know, you should have to pay for benefits and stuff is certainly a, a topic for a, another type of you know podcast, <laughs> you know, on, on healthcare or whatever. But you know, for me, I, I needed that. Um, I wanted I wanted to have it. I I wouldn't have felt comfortable not having it and not having mm-hmm. it. Again. So having a wife that worked, or a spouse that worked and had those benefits and was already using her benefits certainly made it easier. Um, having a, a little bit of a nest egg, like I said, we both put in money to the business, um, so. It, didn't necessarily start negative. Uh, I had a mortgage, but we had paid off our cars and didn't have credit cards and had gotten out of student debt and all those other kind of, you know, boring, you know, adult things. Uh, it certainly made it easier. I, I do think at times too, it, it helps. I, I know other people that still have those things and it, and it does help keep them focused a bit more where, you know, they know they have to come in and this business has to stay, start making money in six months because the, the debt's piling up. Uh, for me, I don't know if that would have been enough of a motivating factor. Um, I, I liked having the idea of, you know, I had a kind of a, a clean slate. Uh, I was giving up, oper- you know, re- uh, I was giving up, you know, uh, what's the term for it? Uh, potential earned revenue or whatever, mm-hmm. but I wasn't negatively, you know, you know, depleting, you know, a whole bunch of stuff from there. Um, yeah. So- and from, from, from my point of view on, on my side, I mean, the $4,000 we put into the business was part of it. Um, but since we weren't paying ourselves, that wasn't going back to us. And I think, I think it's imp- what I'm hearing you say is that you know these aren't necessarily benefits, but these are th- or bonuses, but things that were advantages, but things that you planned on. And I think if you're an you know and I'll say an older entrepreneur, but you're not in your 20s, I think doing what we did required a bit of required a bit more planning. And I mean, it turns out when we started talking to each other about uh, about the business. Uh, we both had similar thoughts for for a couple of years and had both been saving and paying off debt and making sure that we were in a position to do this. So to say like, oh, it just took $4,000 to put in the business is a little misleading because I think in, at least in my case, I'd saved enough money. So, you know, I'd figured out and done the math of like, okay, what's the minimum I need to contribute to my family so that we can <laughs> continue to pay the mortgage? Correct. Um, and 
and what's the runway that I can afford to save up for and say, if I, if I made no money for, you know, X number of months and I tried to space it out to as close to a year as I could and -hmm. say, I'll give myself a year at this minimum runway. So the business, even though it wasn't paying us, it was still on a runway, at least from my perspective of, of, you know, I've got a year to start replacing this revenue that I've got because I'm saved up enough to pay for this for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, if we hadn't started pulling in some money, you know, we would have had to start, you know, freelancing or taking on like a side, like a side jobs or something like that to extend the runway. Um, thankfully, we didn't get to that point. But um, but what I was trying to get at is I think you and I both were very uh, practical about it. It wasn't like, hey, let's go start a business. And next week we started a business. I mean, I think we both had been thinking the same thing for years. And I think anybody can can do what we did. There was no magic sauce or or secret to the way that, you know, we went about, you know, leaving good jobs and in both, both our cases, having a wife and kids. Um, and there was no secret to it other than it took a couple of years of planning to do. Yeah. I, I mean, just in case she does listen to it someday, I do have to shout out to my wife. You know, she is definitely the saver. You know, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a good mix, right? She always thinks we don't save enough and I always think we don't make enough. Uh, and so, you know, the, the mix of those two together certainly helped, uh, you know, put not just me, but put us, you know, both, you know, you and I and my, my wife and I in the right position to, to try something, you know, like this. And again, she, you know, it, it, I think it's worked out for, you know, for, for all parties. Uh, but certainly, you know, yeah, certainly getting it, you know, put, having those things in order was, was, was a huge, uh, you know, help, help me out personally, you know, quite a bit. So. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's what I, I would say if, if somebody asked for like, you know, one bit of advice of how did you do this at, you know, at, at that age of having having a family, it was just the biggest part of it was just planning in advance is just realizing mm-hmm. that, you know, it does take away having a family, your ability to make, you know, spur of the moment. Oh, I'll go to a, I'll find cheaper rent and I'll, you know, I'll live on ramen and without medical benefits for, you know, a year. It just becomes harder to do that when you have a family. But it. it but it's all possible with a little bit of planning and 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 saving, um, if you know that's uh, that's your goal. Um, so uh, I didn't have a great uh, a great note on what to end on, but my my view is to end on is so what uh, what keeps you excited about doing this? Uh, I think the the control one part's that you know just kind of control of your schedule, right? That you can go away, you can work on the things that you want to work on. Uh, you know, as the business grows, there's always things that you have to do that you might not love, but you, you have to do them for part of the business. Uh, but I think the other part that, that really excites me is there's always things where we're like, you know, what's the best way of saying it? There's always like the, the next thing to do, right? Where we're like, all right, you know, here's where the market's going or customers are going. Uh, and there's never, and we've always said at the end of, you know, each year or each quarter when we're talking about the financials, you know, and, and how things are going, we've never we've never gotten to a point where we're like, I don't know what the next thing to do is. Like, I, I still feel like, you know, eight years in, I know exactly what the next, actually, I know the next four or five things. And chances are by the time I get to those four or five things, there will be another four or five things and two other, or three of those things won't matter anymore or something would have changed. Uh, but I still think the part that excites me most is that the business is, is still going. I still get to do the things I want to do. And at the end of the day, I, you know, there's still light at the end of the tunnel. There's still where I'm like, we're not there. We're not out of ideas. We're not, you know, we, we've kind of reached a, a, a revenue plateau or a customer plateau. And there's just nothing else that we can do to potentially, you know, grow the market. We, 
We, we have this, you know, long, you know, detailed list of things that we believe will help the business. Uh, and it's, it's still there and it's still, you know, within our reach. It's just a, a matter of just, you know, to keep executing on it. Yeah, I think I feel the, uh, I feel the same way. It's, it's that there's always an interesting new challenge and there's always something to learn. I mean, you know, the, you know, I'll get excited about certain things and like, oh, I can just, it's just my choice to dive into it. I mean, the, nobody said like, oh, the best way to grow a business this year is to, is to start a podcast. Um, you know, we're making a bet with the podcast saying that we believe that if we invest in it, we can, you know, we can get it, build an audience and have another way of reaching our audience and educating them and telling a story and that that'll be beneficial to business. But for me, it's opportunities like that to say, oh, you know, it'd be fun to learn how to, what's involved in getting a podcast produced and out there. And so mm -hmm. I, get a chance to learn that uh, through doing the business. And there's always things like that that I can apply back to the business and I can learn and bring it back to the business that makes it exciting for me. Yeah. It's, it's fun, you know, being, you know, still being in control, you know, eight plus, you know, years later. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, on uh, on the note about freedom and time, uh, my children are going to run back into the house and into my office probably in any minute now, and I will have to take them to camp shortly after that. So we're going to have to cut this off. Cut this. Cut this off now. Anything else you wanted to add? That's it for for today. Hopefully, we can uh, get to a better, more consistent schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have a good one. You too.